Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to have each and every one of you, whether you are in person with us or watching on Facebook Live. It's so good. Uh, My name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are actually the pastors here at Glory Church, and we, uh, though are a new church, we treat this place like a family. And I hope if you are visiting for the first time, you realize that you walked into a home, we call it. Though we're at the YMCA, this is a home And we treat it like a family. So I pray that you get honor and you feel welcomed and that you feel at peace with us. Uh, You have walked in, though, on week three of a Christmas series. Uh, We've called it Advent. Uh, Over the season of Advent, maybe that is foreign word for you. Maybe that is a word that you know all too well, but rest assured... I'll make sense of it for you, all right? Advent is this uh, the season of, of Christmas that stretches from late November all the way to Christmas morning itself, and it tracks with four different weeks of themes. And if you've been with us the past two weeks, we traveled through them. We talked about hope in action, week one. Last week, we talked about peace in action. And this morning, if um, you could pick up from the, pas- the passage... This morning we are talking about joy in action. Joy. This promise that the angels gave to the shepherds that were tending their flocks at night, right? That there was going to be good news. That, that they brought with them good news that would be the cause of some great joy. Joy. I don't know if you realize this, but joy is the product, the angel says, of the good news. I have this. It is that the beautiful transitioning element. The good news was spoken, and instantly the angels allowed the shepherds to move from fear to an experience of joy. And that's my prayer. As I've planned this, as I've worked through, as I've uh, prayed through this message, my prayer is that God would do that same work, that he would allow us to move from fear to joy. And the missing piece, the middle ground is the good news, is there's this message that leads us out of that and into some eternal, immense, and ever full joy. And so if you're with me this morning, that's what I want to talk about, because great joy is the product of some good news, right? The angel said, I have, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. In other words, the news is the causing agent, the causing factor of the joy. A baby is born. The angels write. The angels speak. A baby, the Messiah, the Messiah has come. Now hear me when I say this. I am so thankful that the angels decided to come to a shepherd, to a group of shepherds, because they had nothing else to do that evening but be present for their flock. And then angels came. And now hear me, I am so thankful because they responded. How they handled that good news was of pure obedience, right? They handled that good news well. They handled it. It was not this quick, uh, get-rich-quick scheme. It wasn't this joy that would be uh, be here today and gone tomorrow. It wasn't this quick little plan that would feed my belly and then I'm going to leave hungry. No, it was the Messiah. And they handled that news so well that they went to see the baby born, wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, I say this because I have something, and I'm going to read it word for word because it's a little convicting to my heart And I bet it's going to be to you. I wonder how many times our joy is halted 
because we handle the good news of Jesus poorly. You see, what happened was we see these these, uh, shepherds handle that news so well that it led them to obedience, which led out of fear and into joy. But maybe my inability to feel joy on a daily basis, which I'm telling you, even as a pastor, I struggle with the great joy feeling. And I think it's because sometimes we handle the good news poorly. What do I mean by that? I could be quick to misrepresenting the good news. I could be quick to taking the good news for granted. I can be quick to diminishing the power or the beauty of the good news. We can be quick to calling it embarrassing or things that only fit in certain contexts. But when I'm at work and I'll talk about that news, I have other news that we talk about. Or in this context, when, it, when I'm in want, I may talk about the good news. But when I'm in worry and strife, sometimes I, I want to Google an answer, right? We, we struggle. Our, our handling of the good news may be the reason, I don't know, maybe I'm in bad company, but it might be the reason why I struggle with joy. The way that I treat the good news. And so I wrote this down, what if I am so slow to realize how connected my lack of joy in any given moment is to my mishandling or misrepresenting or misunderstanding of what God is speaking now. And because I want him to speak something else, I'm stuck in a spiral of bitterness. Or because I want him to speak something else, because I want it to look different, I'm over here in turmoil of my own making, but good news of great joy. Can I just tell you, the fear of yesterday is gone when we experience the good news that causes great joy. And so there is some heartache that we cause just by handling poorly the beauty of what Jesus came to do, what he did, what is finished, what is still happening, what is in process of happening more so. And so I I want to uh, read a passage. And this is a beautiful passage because uh, historically the key tenets of Advent, the hope, peace, joy, and next week as we talk about love, there are some key scriptures. Most of them are are passages of Isaiah that foretell the, the coming of Jesus. And this morning we have a passage in Isaiah 61. And I'm really excited to read it for you because historically Jesus stood up in the temple the uh, synagogue in Nazareth and read this. He put the scroll down and then he said, this is fulfilled in your hearing and walked out. It was like a mic drop moment. And though we can read this, Isaiah's words that then Jesus used, I also want you to see its beautiful connection to what the good news has done to you, to me. All right, we can put ourselves in this passage as well because of what Jesus has done, how he's shaped you. And so it reads this, Isaiah 61. If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it up. If not, it's up here. Isaiah 61, verse 1. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. If you're a believer in the room, the spirit of the sovereign Lord, because of Christ, is in you. And because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This passage showcases your connection to the good news. You see, you have the sovereign Lord inside of you. And now the good news is actively connected to us. But I think, personally, my lack of joy is because I struggle to own this connection now. 
right? I struggle to own my connection to the good news. And because of that, I try to do all my other things. I try to handle things through my own perspective, and and it's not yet there. I'm missing the mark. And what comes is everything but joy. Joy. When that connection is mistaken, our joy is the first thing that goes out the window. And so I want to take a deeper look into this passage. I love, if you know anything about me as a pastor, I love diving deep into a small section of scripture and looking at what God is speaking. So we're going to do that to these two verses. We got some other verses, but I'm going to, we're sitting here because I think if you'll let me open this up, I think our inability to feel joy in a moment might be because we have a hard time believing that this is spoken over us. So I'm going to tell you maybe your joy is in lacking because you have an issue with the word anointed. Anointed. Scripture says uh, that, that the Lord has come, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. Now I'll tell you, whew, I am not the, the weirdo that goes around throwing the word anointed out like nobody's business. In fact, I do not use this word very often. Like, it's foreign to me at times. It has, other than the past few months when I've tried to realize the depth of this word, it's far from my vocabulary. I don't say the word anointed. I don't call people anointed, let alone speak it over myself. But listen, it's a strange one, but I can see if I look back. I can see countless times where my joy suffered because of my inability to claim I am anointed. Do you hear me? There is times when when my joy has suffered because I can't even get past this word anointed because though I like the, the idea of me being a child of God, this word anointed is a little bit scarier, but it fuels our joy because it claims your connection to the good news. In fact, the word anointed means to be set apart for a service, to be set apart for a service. Now, now this might be strange or hard, but we have to realize that the moment that the good news changed us, we now have the meaning and value of being set apart for a duty, a purpose. And not just that, that we have meaning and value. Now we are able to walk into a place and bring meaning and value. But it's when I overlook or downgrade or limit or take for granted of the set apart for service that I am, that my joy goes out the roof, goes out the window. It's limited. It's downgraded. In fact, I need you to know this right now. The passage says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news. You see, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is in you. And where God is, God works. He is redeemed. And you have become now set apart for a good point, a good work. Now I wrote this down. If you're a believer, you may be set apart, but your joy is silenced every time you overlook your anointing. Every time you dodge your calling. Every time you downgrade your purpose or value, that is why you don't feel joy in the moment. It's because the sovereign Lord has anointed you. And when we miss our connection now to the good news, our joy is gone. I love this because joy is silenced when I point to and desire the anointing as of others. 
You ever there? Now, I just want to lean into that because we have to own sometimes and take ownership of when we are stuck in a place where we're lacking joy. Because if the good news has come into my life and I have the access to great joy, maybe I need to start owning when I'm jealous of the anointing or the set-apart ways of other people. I want that. Or their anointing looks better than mine. Their lo- theirs looks better than mine. But the good news of great joy is that all people have access to redemption. That included you. And that, that upon the cross, you were made new. And so with that newness, the good news has transformed, redeemed, changed, brought meaning and power and a purpose to you. So if your, your heart has been struggling with joy in this place, I have a claim that I want you to start making into your day. It's really simple, but I hope that it will make sense. Start speaking this into the context. I have been set apart for this. Now, what does this mean? It means when you're in a job and you're really struggling with it, is this what you're going to do long term? Stop those thoughts. No, you've been set apart for this place. That's how you realize and take ownership of your anointing here. When you are waking up for a day and maybe the house is not what you wish it was, this is not the life that you thought you would have, you're still stuck in that apartment or you're still stuck with those bills, no, I've been set apart for this day. And so I'm going to let joy then come. We've got to start claiming I've been set apart. If you're a believer in the room, then you've been set apart to handle the issue of today. You've been given the God of all glory and might to counsel you through it. Now listen, even in the, uh, the day where you're dealing with the setbacks of yesterday, where you made mistakes and now you've got consequences, you can sit in the shame of that or you can pause and say, no, I've been anointed, set apart to take this in stride. I will hand the consequences, but my God will get the glory. I've been set apart for this, to handle this with patience, to handle this with kindness. This is the day that the Lord has made, right? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It might not be like I want it. The food may not look like I want it. The the table may not be prepared like I want it, but no, this is the day that the Lord has made. So it's been set apart for him. It's been set apart. I have meaning, and because of that, I now give meaning. But I'll tell you at times, uh, I struggle with that second part. Not so much that, uh, that I have this anointing, but now that I have the good news radically changed me, the good news now propels me to do something about it. And at times, your joy is stuck because you're stuck and not allowing the meaning you've had, you've gained through the gospel to now push you to grant meaning and value to others. In fact, Isaiah continues. He continues, and it's so beautiful. He says that the Lord has sent me. You know the way it's coming. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captors. He sent me to bind the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favors. He has sent me. I wrote this. uh, The moment that I forget that I'm commissioned, is typically when I start doing my own planning and I spiral in everything but joy. Think about that. Even when you are quarantined at home, you are still sent. There's still this purpose, meaning that you're called to give 
to those around you, meaning that you're called to give. Even when the table is not prepared like you wish it was, even when there is a lack of money in your bank account, you're still sent. Even if the, the issues are all abounding around you, you're still sent. Even if you got a lower pay grade this past week, you're still sent. We got to realize that he has sent me. And so at times, we forget the sending nature of our redemption. Did you hear me? We forget the sending nature of what Jesus has done for me. That then as I'm not doing anything, I'm wondering why I'm not feeling joy. I'm not doing that, but I am trying to do all these other things, God. I've got plans. I've got good things going on. Like, why am I not feeling joy? It's because you forgot in the midst of all that that you are sent. Sent. That you are sent. Do you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Anyone? I love the, sh- the shaking of the head. We were clicking. I don't have to read it. We, we got the feeding of the 5,000. It's this beautiful miracle where Jesus takes a basket of fish and loaves and makes enough food for thousands of people to be fed. We can look at that story from many angles, but I want to look at the little boy. You've never seen the little boy in this way, but can I tell you he was sent He was commissioned for this. He knew the moment the problem arised that he was the one that could help. No, we look and this little guy had a basket of food. Nowhere close to being enough. It should not feed 5,000. But somehow when the calling happened, he knew I'm commissioned to do this. I'm sent to do this here. I have it. In other words, he says, I have this and Jesus, you can use it. I have this and Jesus, you can use it. This is what it means to be sent. Yeah, you have plans, but no, I have this, Jesus, and you can use it. I have this. I wonder why your joy is shot. It's because you have it and you want to use it. You have this and you want to use it. But that little boy is, I have this basket and you can use it, Jesus. Imagine the joy that was radiated on that little guy's face as Jesus just kept pulling. He's like, I know for a fact my mom did not pack that much. Like, what is happening? And Jesus just kept pulling and breaking and it was feeding and he's just watching the crowd being fed and and the joy that is radiating from that little guy and also the joy radiating from the the, the crowd around them. It's because when we take ownership of the fact that we are sent, goodness, miraculous things happen. I wrote this down and I want you to write it down. Being sent is not always about going somewhere new. Often it's more about being present wherever you go. Did you catch that? We got to read, this is the issue that we sometimes struggle with. When I'm absent of joy, it's because I'm not being present wherever I go. I'm not taking ownership of the fact that I am sent. I am sent here. And so because I'm not being present, it's not like I'm trying to be stingy. I just don't hear it when Jesus says, hey, we got to feed this crowd. Who's going to do it? I'm not being present. And so I'm not saying, Jesus, will you use what I have? Now, I say this in all honesty and conviction because uh, if I'm honest, I have some other things that like to get spoken into that. Uh, In my mind, I sometimes like to say, but Jesus, like, if I give this to you, what will I eat? Or Jesus, like, if I give this to you, like, will there be enough for my family? If I give you this time, will it hurt my, like, plan that I have? No, those are all very real. 
But at the end of the day, this little boy knew I'm being commissioned. I just want to be available. And the miraculous happened. I mean, the miraculous. Isaiah's passage continues. Did you realize that when I didn't want to include what you were sent for because I want you to read it now. It says, you were sent to bind up the brokenhearted. That's miraculous work. That when you go into a place and you say, Jesus, I have this. Can you use it? The, The bound get unbound. Those who are broken are able to be mended. The freedom... Voices spoken from you and captives are able to be freed. People from darkness are ushered into light. There is miraculous things that happen when we take ownership that you are sent to bring something better into this world. You are sent. The work is miraculous. The news that you and I bring, it is not just good news in the sense of good. Like, how are you doing today? I'm good. No, this is miraculous news. Miraculous. Now, at the end of the day, if I could just define probably 100% of why my joy is not experienced in any given day, it's because at the end of the day, I forget just how miraculous this good news is. I mean, if it's not miraculous, then I'm not anointed. If it's not miraculous, then there's no reason I should be sent for it. At the end of the day, I think that we have normalized too much of this good news. We normalize it. We get so familiar with it that we then start uh, downplaying the, the grandeur of it. Now, I just want to lean in on this a little bit because there we get familiar and then complacent. We start taking for granted the fact that you were redeemed from your sins. Everything from your past has been now nullified by the cross of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that's miraculous that I can be that, that I can stand in that. But the moment I normalize it, my joy is out the roof, right? The moment I normalize it and, and think about it, I'm like, there's no joy in my heart anymore. Because then I forget just how deep the good news has transformed me. But it continues. I mean, I normalize everything. We normalize our stories. Sometimes we normalize what God has done. It was a big deal when it happened, but now three months later, we forget the grandeur of it. We forget how miraculous it was, and we wonder why we're struggling with joy. We wonder. I wonder. I normalize my gifts. We normalize our calling, our purpose. I mean, I'm a pastor, and I take this for granted. Now, I just want to lean in. I think that we in America have a very wrong perception of church. I think we take for granted what the church really is. And I think that's why we struggle, one, to have real joy. But I think it's also why we struggle to do anything productive at times with the good news. We take this for granted. Do you know how weird it is to be able to be together in a place where there is no shame? Not supposed to be any shame that the presence of freedom is in the room. That's just, that's not normal. It's not normal. I take for granted my friends. It's not normal to be able as a man to share with another man and then him pause and say, hey, I need to pray over you right now. That's not normal, but we take for granted just how miraculous this good news is. And then we wonder why Nothing is seeming to change in our workplace. It's because if this is normal, then how are you supposed to do the extraordinary in a place that is is normal? 
right? If these interactions have become normal, then how can we start seeing what God is doing in the relationships of the world that is normal? It's not. This is weird to be able to worship a God in all glory, in freedom, with no chains, to be unbound, to have no fears holding us for eternity. That's miraculous, right? It is miraculous. We forget just how miraculous our God is. And the moment that we feed into that normalcy, joy is silenced. Joy is silenced. I got to tell you, Glory family, our church will do little impact in this city if we normalize the gospel. No, it is a miraculous, it is good news of great joy. A baby was born of a virgin. That's not normal. Like, can we own this? This is miraculous. A guy who was full of sin and shame was transformed. We cannot normalize our story. We've got to train ourselves to speak the miracles. And that boy understood it. He knew Jesus is not a normal guy. This situation is not normal. These thousands of people who are hungry and they won't leave this man, that's not normal. My basket is not normal. I'm going to give it to him. Like he knew this is more. This is not normal. And the boy teaches us something grand. If you're taking notes, write this down. We train our hearts to notice Jesus, or we could say to notice the miraculous through giving. This open hand, open-handed hearts are often the most joyous of hearts. And the reason is because you are, you're cued in to the miraculous going on all around. You're cued in to what miracles Jesus is ready to do. You're cued in on his presence. When we are cheerful giving, when we share, when we say, here is this is, Jesus, I have it, use it. It trains our hearts to see him more and more. In fact, if you want to take the main point of all of this and narrow it down to one phrase, if we're going to talk about what joy in action is, is this joy in action is continually letting others benefit from the fruit of our life. You're anointed. You've been sent to proclaim freedom. You want to talk about joy in action. It's handling the good news and saying, all of what it has done to me is now for you. Like the benefit that it's given me, all the fruit, the joy, the peace, the love, it is now to benefit those around me. You want to talk about what joy in action in is, it is that, that little boy. Yes, this is my basket, but take it. Yes, this is my time, but take it. Listen, this should stretch us. It should because I have a whole lot of what ifs attached on onto what if I give you this? What if I give there? What if this fruit and nothing happens? What if they take advantage of it? What if they slap my, my, my cheek, right? The scripture, Jesus literally says, if they do, turn the other one. What if? But as we sit in on these what ifs, every single what if is a joy killer. no. Joy in action is continually letting people benefit. Another way that we can say this, if you like the simple phrases, it's active joy actively gives. Hands down. Active joy actively gives. How do I know that? Because the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to bring the good news. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives. And so as I do this, I realize joy is my anthem 
And I cannot help then but to give that which I've been given. All the fruit of my life, it is not for me. It's not for my benefit. I was not redeemed for me. It's this bigger picture attached to it. Friend, if you've been struggling with joy, I want to bring it home looking at a passage in Nehemiah. I hope this makes complete sense as we end because it's going to bring it home. Nehemiah, this is displayed, this good news and what it does, our connection to good news. We're about to see it displayed in Nehemiah chapter eight. If you know anything about the book, it is very interesting. Before we get here, let me just fill you in. Nehemiah felt this commission, this call to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem's walls. It has been, it was demolished. The people of God were frantic. They were scattered. And so they started this rebuilding process process, bringing back order into the temple, into the synagogue, and order into the streets. I mean, it was chaos, and it was brought to order. And at chapter 8, all the people have already finished dedicating the wall. It's been complete. And then these, this mass assembly of men, women, and children were standing before Nehemiah, Ezra the priest and some Levites. And it's really beautiful because they have not yet in, in Jerusalem, in some of their lives, ever heard the word of the Lord preached. They've never heard the good news. This is how far Jerusalem had been. This is why Nehemiah felt the, the, the conviction to come and rebuild so that people could hear. And so they are out here and they're about to take part in one of these festivals that, that uh, showcase the provision of God. And, and it's beautiful. So he's assembled all of them together and they start speaking the good news. And the cool thing about this, this festival, I wish we would do something like this. It, it would be fun. Um, you leave behind your home and everyone, the poor and the rich, would live in tents for a week. And it was to remind them of the exodus and how God provided. They would feast and eat together. It was all the same. And what it was to do was to bring everyone on the same playing field. So now they're hearing the word of the Lord. All right, I'll get back to the story. And this is what happens. They began to weep. Because when good news comes... There is this fear, this awe, this brokenness that comes. And it's as if Nehemiah is already ready to speak the same words that the angel said of, hey, do not fear. I've come with good news of great joy. And Nehemiah speaks this in verse 9 of chapter 8. It says, Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priests and the scribes and the Levites who taught the people, they stopped them and said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. They were broken, but it continues. It says, then he said to them, go your way, go your way. I'm sending you. You have a purpose. We're in a festival right now, so prepare. Go, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to those who don't have it. Right now, we are about to celebrate and you prepare for other people who don't have anything. Give it, for this day is holy to the Lord our God. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. In other words, their their hearts were so moved by the word of the Lord that Nehemiah needed to pause and say, hey, no, do not fear. I'm bringing you good news of great joy. So go, be sent, prepare for everyone that everyone can eat of this because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I will tell you, if we're gonna bow, like tie a bow on all of this in any way, 
Not, not just the miraculous I need to remember, but at the end of the day, I will live and operate by what I claim my strength is. That often I miss out on the anthem of joy in my life. I miss out on feeling joy because I'm taking everything else as sources of my strength. And, and it's so beautiful. Nehemiah is reminding them, remember where your strength is from. Remember, remember where your strength is from. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Remember, glory family, remember where your strength is from. Because at the end of the day, the, the Israelites need to realize and remember, uh, I'm not strong because we have a, um, a literal wall around our city. We are not strong because you have order in your family. I will tell you all those plans of wanting to create a structure and a plan this week, those are good. But if that's your source of strength, then the joy will be gone in your life. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so today I'll remember I'm anointed. Today I'm going to remember I am sent. And I'm going to be aware. I'm going to be open, available. And I am going to remember how miraculous this all is. That at the end of the day, I am here because God has shaped me, strengthened me. I wrote this down. Are the homes that you can lock yourself up in the source of your strength? Is the title that you operate with at work a source of your strength? We have to think about, is the money in your bank account a source of your strength? I will tell you, all joy is lost if we have our strength in other things. But our miraculous God has redeemed you and has become your strength. Money fades. Success is quickly lost. Five minutes, 15 minutes of fame ends in 15 minutes. All these things are not strengthening, but what God has done, that good news, goodness, is it powerful? Is it everlasting? Is it overwhelming? Now, as we end this morning, I just want to stress over and over and over and over and over how real I am as a pastor. I struggle with joy on a daily basis. But if we are going to work this out together, we're going to have to celebrate the good news and what it's done for us. We're going to have to call daily the fact that I am anointed, I am sent, and this is more miraculous than I think. God, you are my strength. And so if you've been with us at all, you know, for the past three weeks, I decided to, you know, Christmas is a time of giving. We get this Christ, like uh, the father, I so, for so loved the world. I loved it so much that I gave my son, right? God is all about giving. And so if you've been with us, you know that every single week we've been sort of pausing in the message and celebrating and honoring. And it's been really powerful because we've set as a team and our staff, uh, we have a staff team and we set and we ask, okay, this week's theme is joy. What is an organization or a person that exemplifies an active joy that actively gives? An active joy that says that my strength is in the Lord. And so if you know, we've been able to honor the YMCA on those who, who provide hope. We've been honor, we honored uh, reconciliation services in Thelma's Kitchen this past week of those who, who are, are people who prepare the way for peace. And I'm really excited because we're not honoring an organization today, but a person. And so if you'll be with me in transitioning, I want to show you someone in our family who showcases an act of joy. 
And so I prepared her for this. Don't worry, but I have asked her to come on up. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, can, can Miss Rhonda Thomas come on up? And so I don't know if you know, yeah, you can, you can give a high, you can give a, a clap. I don't know if you have been blessed to meet this woman. But this is just something we're doing over Christmas. She hates it in the sense of being honored and celebrated. But can I just tell you, this woman exemplifies joy. And not just joy is in a smile on her face, which is always there. I mean, underneath this is probably the biggest smile. It's about as big as her mask. So it's not just joy as in smiling, because that's not it. The joy that is radiated through this woman is that anything that's on her table, anything that's in her house, anything that is a fruit of her life is up for grabs for anyone who needs it. In fact, she is so aware and present that she is willing and able to say, God, even if it hurts, even if I go hungry, I'm going to give this because you're going to do miraculous things with it. You're going to redeem in ways that I can't see. And if I ate it, it would not redeem me. But if I give it, (laughs) there is some miraculous efforts going on. So I just wanted to say, I am so thankful for you. Thank you for teaching us your joy. Thank you for teaching us what the joy of the Lord is. That even in confusion, hard times, even in, in, in places where it looks like the world would say, she is not strong. Goodness, you you showcase it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I'm honored by you. I I hope that you feel loved. I mean, hands down, when I told people that it was going to be you, they were like, of course, of course, of course. I want you to keep leaning in and being present with us. We need your leadership. We need to see how, how to handle situations. We need to see how to lean in when other people don't. We need to see how to be present. We need to. So thank you so much for that. I, we had a hard time. I'm like, what do you give someone who always gives everything they have? And so like, you're not allowed to give this away to anyone, okay? Unless the God just like, he just tells you, Rhonda, you've got to. I will, I will say, okay, but this, you can't, all right? What's in this bag is for you, all right? But we are honored by you. I really, I was like, Kate, what do you give someone who's just always like, whatever I have is for anyone. This is for you. So yeah, I would love to pray over you. Would you, would you guys, if you're in the room, just hand out, uh, this, this is how we honor and celebrate. God, I thank you so much for your glory on display in our people. Miss Rhonda being one of them, thank you so much for the way that Rhonda showcases joy in a way that's not just happiness that fades, but a joy that is eternal and long-lasting because at the end of the day, she knows that she is an anointed woman, a woman set apart. So in the sorrow, she is set apart for this purpose. In the sorrow, in the hardships, in the heartache, in the setbacks, she knows I have been set apart to handle this. So God, I thank you so much for the way that that showcases your presence. I pray that we can be like that. I thank you for how sent she lives. So aware and present and available to see a need and say, I have this, God, use it. So thank you for all the times that my family has been blessed by her. Thank you for all the families over the years, her sons who have been blessed. God, I've gotten to meet them. Thank you for, for the times that she has spoken in 
and you've mended because of her words. God, I pray that she feels blessed and honored. The joy of the Lord is her strength. So God, we are so thankful for her. In your name, for your glory, we pray all of this. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.